Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. So, uh, we've been in the middle of a series called Born to Worship, and, and really we, we made a lot of key points. In basic, we spoke about how as humans we literally are born to worship, and we do worship. The problem sometimes is that that worship doesn't always go to God. It doesn't always go to Jesus. Uh, you know, worship can be uh, many different definitions. You could speak around the word worship, but a lot of times it looks like giving the affections of your heart, uh, given the best praise to whatever that thing is. Some of you, that's a sporting team. It might be a pop idol. It might be um, money, but, but whatever it is, it's probably a form of worship if you, it's got your heart and it's got your attention, your best attention. So I think that's simple language we can put around that. Um, and, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, some of the statements you hear so often um, on adverts. I think it was BT ad used to say it's good to talk. Uh, and when you dig a bit deeper, like what's going on with that? Why is it good to talk? And then you, you come forward, fast forward a few years after maybe seeing that advert for the first time, then you hear people start to talk about, you know, it's good to talk not just for the sake of it, but it's actually good to talk for your mental health. And so that we've heard that the last few years about how it's so important to talk, to get things out that need to come out. Um, and then we take it a step further. Um, and when somebody goes for therapy or for counseling or, or life coaching or whatever it is, that always revolves around talk, but not just surface talk, not just chat the way sometimes we chat in church um, or at a game or someone down the street high and by and everything's great and see you later, all the best. But that's a different level of talk. That's a talk where you're starting to pour out your heart. And if you don't pour out your heart in those kinds of talks, they're no use. When it comes to mental health, if you don't pour out your heart in those kind of talks, they're no use. Because the problem is to get to the deepest part and the affections of your heart, to get to the deepest part of what you value the most, to get to the deepest part where where really uh, your core mind beliefs live you have to go deep, and you've got to pour out your heart. And so today's message is called Pour Out Your Heart. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you, Father. You give us a great example of what it looks like to pour out our heart and how important and valuable that is. We see in an example of Jesus and David and people all throughout Scripture about how important pouring out our heart is for our soul, but it also is completely connected to worship. And true worship looks like pouring out our heart to you. So I I pray today, Father, as we learn, uh, but also apply what it is to pour out our heart, God, that you would just meet with us, encourage us, direct us, challenge us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Pour out your heart. Everyone say, pour out your heart. That was a bit weak. Come on, Lorraine. Always rely on one. (laughs) 
Pour out your heart. Um, you know, before we started the church, um, I was in a season, you could call it a bit like a wilderness season, a waiting season, a no man's land season. Maybe some of you are there right now. But I quickly realized after being quite active in ministry for maybe 10 years prior, that before long I started to feel like I could easily just drift, just cruise. Actually, I could easily just walk into church and walk out of church. And I could probably end up doing not very much and be to a certain level content, relaxed, just going with the flow. And I realized, well, if I don't begin to pour myself out again, if I don't, as some people would say, get back on the horse after falling off the horse, is Tegan here? I think that's an important principle I've heard. If you fall off the horse, you need to get on it quickly or you start to chill. And really, when you say you start to chill, what you're really saying is, I don't want to deal with the fear of getting back on. I don't want to deal with the complexities of anxiety. I don't want to deal with it, so I'm just going to stay off and, and not really go through any kind of conflict. or cha- I don't want to challenge my freedom. I just, I'll just stay bound and never get on a horse again. In some ways in our life, if we're honest, we do that with, with relationships. We do that with God. We do that with each other. And as you get older, sometimes it can look like talking less, pouring out your heart less, because life can be rough. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Life can be tough, emotionally tough, physically tough. Our bodies are frail. They're, they're dying. And, and you're like, I'm so glad I came to church today. This is so positive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the reality. And, and here's the beauty about it is in the Bible, as we read through the scriptures, it's the reality for them too. It was the reality for Jesus too. But I think there's some powerful things that we see all throughout the Scripture that can encourage us as we realize that pouring out our heart is God's intended way for us to worship, to connect to Him, to keep our hearts healthy, to keep us alive, to keep us fired up. And actually pouring out your life, pouring out your heart was God's way of keeping, giving you purpose and making you effective and keeping you on your toes. Because God wants to fill us up so that He can then pour you out. And within that, you, you find life. Yes, there's challenges. Yes, there's problems. Yes, there's valleys. Yes, life is hard, but God will give you everything that you need to get through the valley. And not just that, He will give you a story that will help others. Just in our, our pre-service there, uh, would one of our guys in the usher team share, of a story that happened to him 20 years ago. And just a few days past, he was with a colleague and they had went through something very similar. And guess what he was able to say? Are you sure about that road you're going down? Because I went down that 20 years ago when it comes to Luigi boards and things like that, and it didn't work out well for me. It caused sickness to my body. It caused all kinds of unhealthy manifestations. There's a spiritual war. And that person he was speaking to didn't like it initially. Come on, who loves to be corrected in here? Who loves to be challenged? Absolutely. Absolutely no one. But sometimes it's exactly what we need. Sometimes if we're going down the right road, how we see who our good friends are are the ones that challenge us to say, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not 
going to end up well for you. I'm telling you now. And so, sometimes difficult situations actually help us to worship better. But I'll be honest, sometimes when you're in difficult situations, it's also easy to just stay stuck. It's easier to just drift with life because it feels like it's too much. But I'm telling you, this is what I believe. I believe if we can learn as a group of people to worship, that no matter what pit you find yourself in, no matter what dark valley you find yourself in, you will come, you will come out better than you went in. I honestly 100% believe that. That God's design was not for you to get, for, for life to crush you and, and to produce no fruit. Actually, God's design is that when we get crushed, just like if you, if you ever heard of the, that oil within the scripture represents the Holy Spirit. And within the Bible, we see often how oil comes out of an olive tree or olives. And in order to get that oil, that Holy Spirit type power, what do you have to do with the olive? What do you have to do? You've got to crush it. And as much as we don't like that idea or the experience of being crushed, that's how God builds us to have strength. That's how God builds us to have godly power, not human power. That's how God, you'll hear in some Pentecostal churches, maybe some of you more mature people have heard this, when you have this thing called the anointing. What someone is saying is that person has got something, their soul has been crushed and they've learned to worship. They've learned to tap into God's power for their life, not just human power. And whatever it does, it brings anointing, meaning when they speak, I'm listening. When they speak, there's power to change people's minds. When they speak, when they sing, I feel God's power at work within my heart the anointing. But the anointing cannot come without a crushing. And I'm telling you, that is someone who has went through hardship and learned to worship, to pour out their heart. So does anyone want to pour out their heart or at least learn to pour out their heart before God? Because I promise you, you will need it. I don't care what age you are, there'll be a time comes where you need to learn to pour out your heart and it will protect you, it'll prepare you, it'll equip you. Because if the enemy can keep you in the, the dark, he can confuse you, he will confuse you, he'll stall you, you'll become a statue, you'll become stuck. But if you can get the light into that darkness, God will guide you. He'll bring you out of the dark pit, he'll bring you out of the valley, and he'll use that valley, that pit experience, for, your pur for his purposes and his good. It says in Psalms, this is David mostly speaking here in, in the book of Psalms, it says, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge there's six of the uh, Levitical cities within the Scriptures which are named in the context of a place of refuge or a place of safety in the Old Testament. You know, think about what is a safe place to you. <laughs> if you're in school, some of our youth, your safe place is often if you're with 
someone who's strong. Because <laughs> you know, if that boy is with me or that girl is with me, if, so, if a bully comes for me, I'm safe. As long as they're beside me, as long as they're on my side, I'll just give them a weak call. We niggle, hey, your man's messing with me. Can you sort him out? I feel safe. <laughs> or, or maybe if it's in a storm or if you're, you live in a, a country where there's hurricanes and things like that, your safe place might be a bunker or it might be uh, the basement in a house. During that storm, that might be what you run to for safety. Or, or maybe for you, it might be a friend. Often it's a person. When you're in trouble, you maybe run to a, a parent, a, a counselor. I don't know what that person is for you, but this is the kind of language that we see within the scripture that David is using, using in the Psalms when he talks about a refuge, a place of safety. So what, what we're saying here is, is that the scripture is telling us that when you don't feel safe, when you feel scared, that God has actually invited you to come to him and worship and worship by pouring out your heart. You know, even just this week, I was speaking to someone who had been through some stuff, and, and honestly, they probably had locked a lot of it up for a long time. And have you ever been in a situation where you've seen someone go through something and you know, like, the situation, there's red flags, it's not quite right. I, I want the best for this person, but they have to process they have to go through it and learn uh, and then come to their senses where they see clearly again and then put boundaries up and da-da-da. But one of the worst things we can do as people is to go through those things and never talk about it and bottle everything up. I'm sure there's no one in here that bottles things up and then just bursts and maybe says things you maybe wish you could take back. Well, what happened there was you didn't pour your heart out you didn't have any word to release the pressure that you were feeling, the frustration that you were feeling. You kept it in. You just hoped it would go away. You brushed it under the carpet and then bang, explosion. I was playing football yesterday and that happened with a guy on the opposite team. You know, we, we obviously riled him up a bit and, because we won. But I, he looked like calm as, what, what's that saying? Cool as cucumber. I was going to say that and I was like, is that right? Cucumber? I guess it's cool. Cool as cucumber. And then after the game, we had just won. The whistle had just went. They nearly came back last minute. And he just, I, can't, I knew him from years ago. And I was like, mate, don't look so serious. It's only, it's only a game. I guess that's easy to say when you win. <laughs> but he just had a real stern face on him. I'm like, wait, relax. Um, next thing I look around, and he walked over to our sideline, and there was a scuffle. He was giving off to our lino, our linesman, for whatever decisions. And he... And then I spoke to a few friends and they said that he actually does that sometimes when I played with him before he seems red. I wonder if that's something to do with him not processing and actually going and talking and processing in a, in a mature fashion where you just pour your heart out. You don't have to go and get mad at people because things didn't go your way. But you, you do need to process it in a healthy way. You do need to pour your heart out and your frustrations. So the first point I want to make here is and how we pour out our heart is we, we need to remember God's faithfulness in the past. This is what we see when David is processing hardship. He's processing dark days. It seems that he's, he, he likes to go back to, but God, I remember. 
that you were faithful. Let's, let's read in Psalms 42. It says, My tears have been food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? I.e., this situation hasn't changed. This is still dark. Where's your God now? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, as I pour out my heart, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? It's nearly as if he's disconnected in a way where he's like, right, there's a part of me, I see the situation in me that's wrong, but I'm trying to fix it, and I don't really know how right now. Why, why soul? Why, why mind? Why do you feel this way? Why do I experience such a depression? Why so disturbed within me? And he's nearly telling himself, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So he's nearly, he's processed, this is where I'm at, this is what's happening, but let me remind myself of the days in which I went into the house of the Lord. He was my protector. He provided for me. And it's nearly as if he's saying, and God, you'll do it again. You're still my Savior. You're still my God, the God of hope, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's, so we're nearly watching him in these Psalms process from different angles and different sides, and he finishes with a reminder again. We see in Jeremiah, to the book of Lamentations, that we see pain, anguish, and complaints constantly throughout these chapters, verses, books. It says in Lamentations 3 and 19, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. So he's like, this is my situation, but I, I'm calling something to mind. And then I have hope. Because of this, because of the Lord's great love, I'm reminding myself of God's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fails. He's speaking this over his soul, over his mind. He's reminding himself. They are new every morning. Great is thy or your faithfulness. What if we started to speak that over ourselves, encourage ourselves, as David said, in the Lord? Great is your faithfulness, God. I, I know where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm being real. I'm being honest. I'm pouring out my heart. I'm not trying to fake it. I'm kind of pretending I'm okay. I'm being honest with God. But I'm also speaking faith to my soul. You know, I remember in a situation, and I felt exactly the same way. I felt downcast, discouraged, at a dead end. I was looking for a wife. Anyone in here? Put your hand up, and then all the singles just have a look around. You got your pick. <laughs> but honestly, I was like, I would really like to find someone, but I tried all my own methods, and they were, they were disaster. I made all these mistakes, but I did try to learn from them and humble myself and say, right, probably didn't work so well for me there. Uh, 
I need to make some changes in my life. And then, to be honest, I just ended up letting go and surrendering. And just, God, you've still got a plan for me. Started to speak life. God, I guess I'm just going to do a Paul. Live that celibate life, and that's fine too. For all of you singles, that's, that's, the Bible says that's, you can be more effective that way. You have more time. Um, but it was just interesting as I let it down, as I surrendered, and I just worshipped anyhow, and I just said, God, use me anyhow. It's not maybe not what I'd hoped for, but use me anyhow. Uh, and then, I'm not even kidding, the next day, I'm just rolling around the lakes, and this girl starts whistling at me. <laughs> like, like, hey, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm like, calm down, you know, I know, I know you're interested, you know, but <laughs> it's the other way around, fair play. But, so, so I had to do something, but, but the Lord provided. And, and honestly, I think there's, some, there's so much power in being able to worship God despite getting your own way. I actually feel like that attracts the hand of God in your life. I feel like God actually moves in your life when you're free from your burdens. Because listen, the enemy's got you when you're not free, when you're trying to make something happen, when you're trying to force God's hand. You don't need God if you're trying to force his hand. But when you surrender your hands in worship, laying down your dreams, your desires, something shifts in your spirit. Something frees. You even become more attractive, I believe, to other people. And you can call that what you want, but just so happened I was in the right place at the right time for me to go down a completely different road to the one I was kind of a second best, you could say. So... So now I remember God's faithfulness as I surrendered, as I worshipped, despite things not being the way I hoped. And listen, I'm also of the opinion if it doesn't work out, it's fine too. I can still worship. I can still connect with God. I'll be honest, the most beautiful memories, experiences I've had, it's not all about experience, but we are human and we are emotional and God's given us, give us those emotions for, a po- there's a point in that. It's how we experience life. I would say the most beautiful experiences and times I've had on earth have been in times of worship, in times of prayer. And it hasn't been necessarily in the good times. It's probably been mostly in the hard times. And they've been the most defining, but the most heaven I've experienced on earth has been through the darkest hours where I've actually needed God and I'm so glad that I poured out my heart to him when I, when I felt burdened and broken and hurt. I'm so glad that I did because he, he healed me and he mended me and he prepared me and he humbled me and he helped me to get better and he helped me to help others. Whereas I know if I hadn't poured my heart out in those situations, remembered his faithfulness, I'd have been sitting here. Well, I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd have probably been bored, bitter, beat up. If you spoke to me, I'd probably been complaining about certain people, holding on to the past, but I poured out my heart, done it God's way, and he put me on a solid rock, on a firm foundation, and he can do that for you too. But we got to learn to pour out our heart to remember his faithfulness, no matter the scenario or situation. Next point, trust in God's power for your future. You know, one of the worst people you can meet is someone who has lost 
hope. It says hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you lose hope, you lose everything. You lose the will to go on. But how how good is it that we serve a God of hope? It's in his very fabric of who he is. His being is just filled with hope. And when you come in communication in the presence of God, automatically you experience visions of hope. And so that means no matter what your situation, how pearly it is, how bad, how impossible it feels, it doesn't matter because there is hope. God is all about resurrection. He is all about restoration. We've, we've seen it countless times. It's not just a theory, it's a reality. But it's when we trust in his power for our future. It says in Psalms 102, Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me. He's obviously feeling that maybe, God, where are you? When I am in distress, turn your ear to me. When I call, answer me quickly. In my distress, I groan aloud and I'm reduced to skin and bones. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me, for I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drinks and tears. But you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. He will respond to the prayers of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. And we can see here, the psalmist is pressing through pain. He's experiencing pain, it seems, and he's pressing through and he's speaking life and he's declaring God's word and he's remembering that God has got a plan for the future, that, that no matter what's happened in the past, your past does not dictate your future. Can I get an Amen. But the enemy will whisper to you, will give you visions, I've messed up now, that's it now, I'm, I'm too far gone now. And there lies because the problem that we have on this earth is that we are battling not against just good thoughts versus bad thoughts. It's not just about self-talk. It's about, it's about exposing the lies of the enemy. There's a spiritual warfare going on in your life and what you need to try and do is to expose where are the lies? What have I believed that is not from God? And you can be sure that will bring you to where you've been sidetracked, stuck, depressed, hopeless. It's always connected to a lie. And the last point, make your cry offering, make your cry an offering to God. It says in Lamentations 2 and 19, pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Philippians 2 and 17 says, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. And this is somebody who's speaking from probably a jail cell. He's in the pit, but yet he's, he's speaking with authority, with faith. His mind has been changed. His soul is thinking clearly, full of hope. And he's got to the point where he is, you've heard that song, it is well with my soul. He's got to that point of surrender, it is well with my soul. No matter what happens, whether it's death that takes me, I'm ready to pour my life out and give it all. And within that, there's freedom. And some of you may be 
to even connect with that thought might be, what would you do for the, your loved ones, for your children? You know, I love that thought. If, if you've seen your child have fallen into the river ban or somewhere like that, what would you do? You'd do anything. Whatever it takes, you would pour yourself out. You would give everything you had left in the tank to save that child. Flip, I'll probably do it from a puppy, to be fair. <laughs> I'm a wife, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I, come on now, I thought that was a given. Making me look bad here. But, but I mean, seriously, what would you do? I think that's where, where the writer, Paul, is at. He's saying, listen, I would give it all. I'm connected that much. I know my Savior lives. And I lay down my whole life, even with the chance that I would never get anything back on this earth. I wonder if we live with that posture. Listen, the little offense mightn't be such a big deal. Someone said this about me. It might be such a big deal if we had led our life down, surrendered our life at that level. We start to see through God's eyes that that person hurt me or whatever's going on in that situation and I got a bad hand. God, what do you want to do in that situation? How can I love these people? How can I worship you even though I feel rejected? How can I find my identity in you? I'm telling you, it's through those hardships that you find true identity in Christ. As you say, you know what? My audience isn't a crowd. It's a person. It's one person. It's Jesus. I worship the, I worship the audience of one. And when you start to do that, then you start to experience freedom that God intended for you to have. But it doesn't mean your flesh doesn't cry out. It doesn't mean things aren't hard. It says in Psalm 62, Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. What powerful words to speak over your situation, over your life. My salvation and my honor depend on Him, depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. All that language about safety, about security, about strength, about protection, He's speaking it out. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, Give all of your worries. Everyone say all. Give all of your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. But it doesn't mean you're not going to go through hardship. Because the writer has went through hardship. He's in hardship. Half of these scriptures are in the middle of hardship where they don't know what's going to happen or whether it's going to be good, bad, or in between. But they're worshiping anyhow. They've learned that worship is a weapon. It says, pour out your hearts like water in the presence of the Lord. And I love this thought. What happened with Jesus is he had come to the end of his purpose on the earth. And it was just right before he was about to get crucified. And he sensed his time had come. And he went, where did he go? When he was going through excruciating anxiety and pain. It says in Luke 22, and being in agony, that I don't think this is on the screen. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as if 
it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Which is actually, if you look in, into the scientific side of that, they say that this is a, a condition that you can get, that when you're under extreme pressure, extreme anxiety, that you can literally sweat blood. This is what Jesus was experience, experiencing. But what did he do? He went into his safe place, his garden, alone, to pray, to pour what? His heart out to his Father. And it, was it, did he say, um, Lord, just take this away from me in Jesus' name, be healed? Or, or just do it a different way, Lord? I don't want to go through this. When he kind of did a bit, he was honest. He says, Lord, if, the, if this cup can pass, please take it, but if not, your will be done. And so I think when we're pouring out your heart, what an example that Jesus gave us is that the first thing we need to do is be honest with God. God can handle your issues. He can handle the real you. But he can't work with the fake you who's just trying to pray the perfect prayers and pretend you're not angry and pretend you're not bitter. The Bible talks about God being a great counselor. Well, if you go to a counselor and start to speak and just say the things which you think should be right, there's of no value in that counseling session. It's not until you start to get honest, that's when you start to make ground. Can I get an amen, Julie? So God can handle your honesty. He wants it. And you can turn that honesty into worship. Say, God, this is how I'm feeling. This is where I'm at, just like Jesus in the garden. But God, your will be done. And it says he went back a few times to pray. You know, I believe, I believe it was because he was, it was such a big ordeal. He needed to renew his mind, to encourage his soul, to say yes to God's plan for his life. And I think just like Jesus, we need to as well. There's times in, and situations that we have to go through that are so hard, that are so broken, that, that are so dark that you need to pray time and time again in those seasons. And you need to dig deep and you need to pray the, the prayers that David prayed, that God, you are my refuge. You're going to get me through this. This is so hard. My, my flesh is crying out, but God, you're going to use this for your glory in Jesus' name. And that no weapon formed against me shall prosper in Jesus' name. And God, I'm not called to be defeated. But God, you're going to rise up inside of me in victory. You're going to give me the right words to say. God, I cast my care, this burden to you. I need your help. I can't do this without you. God, protect my family. Protect their health. God, whatever happens though, use this. Whatever happens, to your name be the glory. Whatever happens, I'm going to worship you anyhow. Whatever happens, make me a better version of myself. Make me more like Christ. Whatever happens, God, give me the tools that I need to get through. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. 
cannot wait to see you next week on the Orient Church podcast.